Welcome to the Spirit Anointing the Word, the podcast of Highland Church, Jamaica, New York, with Pastor Subash Cherian. We're so glad to have you with us today, and we're excited about God's Word because it gives us strength and hope for each and every day. Let's listen as Pastor Subash shares this powerful message. Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. Even as Thanksgiving Day approaches, we want to thank you, Lord. Every day, every moment of each day. But thank you that we have an opportunity that we can give you thanks collectively as a nation, as a community, as a church, and individually as families. So you be glorified and honored and magnified in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. And Father, I just pray your blessing be upon your people today, that even the prayers of Jabez would be translated into their lives, or that your hand would be upon your people. You'd enlarge their coasts, that you would continue to grace them, there'd be no grief, and you would bless them and strengthen them indeed. I pray in Jesus' name, because of what our Lord did on the cross, and your love, Father, that there would be salvation in the homes today, there would be deliverance upon all that call upon the Lord and Lord healing of the spirit, soul and body. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Receive this healing for you and for your family. Receive the wholeness because of the Lord Jesus. And thank you, Father. In his name we pray. God's people said, Amen and Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. Welcome once again, precious people of God. We just had a great time Friday. I just want to take this moment to thank the staff and everyone and the volunteers that made it possible. For the folks that came in and uh, from other places that really blessed us. But for our own choir and uh, ministries, and particularly the dance ministry, you made our day. At the close of this meeting, we would be having the dance uh, uh, fruit of the Spirit doing something that was part of this great program. Thank you, precious people of God. We want to continue on with what we began a few weeks ago. It is to do with the burden. And I mentioned it's not the burden that the devil gives or the world can give, the burden that somebody lays upon us, or a burden that religious people would want to carry. It's a load that is unnecessary. Not a burden that we put upon ourselves, but this is a burden of the Lord. And I not only talked about the burden, but then we came to Psalm chapter 68, and then I went into verse 19, and that is talking about, he loaded us with benefits. And this is a word, load means blessed or burdened us with blessings. And that is my theme today, as I'm continuing on to tell us how important this is. Talking about the many ways in which God blesses us with way down, and it turns out to be translated into blessing, it's a powerful statement when we are told by the Lord Jesus Christ that we are lively stones because he is the rock. But do you know the rock was basically hit upon to get water? And you find this water, this rock followed the people of Israel. Of course, we're not talking about the literal Mount Horeb or Sinai, but we're talking about the rock that is Jesus Christ. 
But I want us to understand there's a passage in which not only the New Testament chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that describes us as lively rocks because of the great rock, but also the fact, the benefits that come from the rock. That is, we are willingly and voluntarily willing to come to be broken at the rock. But listen, there are two sides of it I talked about, and that you find in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 44. In this passage, the Lord Jesus Christ talks this principle, whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, broken to be molded, broken to be uh, blessed, broken to be used of God. And then those that will not be willing, it says on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind them to powder. Two sets of whosoever. In life there are broken things, whether it be in the situations we see today, during and after pandemic, a lot of broken things that need to be repaired, the infrastructure. But there's also broken things in our home, whether it be cups and saws or whether it be table or chairs. But many a times we go through brokenness that we see, especially during these very critical moments, people's lives have been broken, homes have been broken, finances have been broken, families have been broken. In the midst of all of this, I just want us to understand as difficult as it may be, this is not the end of your life. Can you say this? This is not the end of my life. God has something greater. And I want you to realize, in the Bible, there's so many men mentions of broken. In fact, when you look at the seed that's broken and dies. In John, we are told in chapter 12 that unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, if it not, it will not bear much fruit. And if it does, 30, 60, and 100 fold. When you think about this, there is so much that is broken so it would bring forth abundant, a hundredfold blessings. That is a powerful principle. Unless it breaks, unless it dies, it would be alone. But when it does, there is a great heal. It's a principle that's enshrined in the scripture that comes to not only exemplify the Lord Jesus Christ, but every one of his disciples. When you think about it, there's so many things that we find in broken. The wheat, the corn of wheat that fell, and it basically comes together crushed, and ultimately you have your bread. And yet you find in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 36, unless the bread is broken, it will not be able to feed. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ broke the bread and fed at one time 5,000 and another time 7,000. And these counts, for some reason, not, mention, not basically mentioning the, the women and children. Can you believe the breakfast that the lad, the lad brought actually came from the home of a woman who actually lovingly gave it as a breakfast, made this for the little boy, and think about it, 7,000 or 5,000 were blessed. When you look at the house that is broken, literally, in Mark chapter 2, verse 4, so that four people went up and literally broke the roof of a house that one of their friend would be healed. Think again, when you look at, uh, and I'll be talking about it, a broken box, expensive, but until and unless it was broken, there would be no fragrance, no matter how expensive that box would be. But ultimately, you have the broken body that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. And I want you to understand, twice it is mentioned, the Lord Jesus Christ, and Paul writing to the church in Corinth says that he gave thanks, he broke the bread. 
But then he said, take eat the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. This is my body, which is broken for you. A broken Lord for a broken people that would be molded and become his people. A purposeful people, and yet every one of us have had our lives in one way or the other broken that we would be able to look beyond this world and look to the eternal and looking to our Lord Jesus Christ, seeing Abba Father on the throne, high and lifted up. It comes out of a breaking in the life literally of Isaiah chapter 6. But again, there's a sense in which a broken Lord Jesus comes to revive and strengthen the bread, the body of Christ, not only local, but universal church. So we are beginning, uh, we began the last time of, uh, I talk about the coalition of the unwilling, uh, the willing, and those that would be willingly be broken. And we talked about it, and we don't need to run through it. Psalm chapter 68, verse 18, talks about a contrite and a broken heart and spirit. Psalm chapter 51 and verse 7, again, with a broken, contrite spirit. This is important because that is how people have been forgiven in spite of whatever happened in the past. I want you to understand whether it be in the life of Moses or whether in the life of Jacob or Joseph or David. Incidentally, think about Paul. One of the things he talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8 He's talking about how he was crushed and yet not distressed. Literally, that God would begin to use him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, he talks about three times he asked the Lord to heal him or reach out and touch him and take what would be the thorn that Satan had given. And yet three times Jesus refused, the Lord refused. And he says, my grace is sufficient, the great mystery and the paradox of what would be the brokenness that Paul would be. In fact, Paul was the greatest. A man that had done understanding, and yet how did he not get proud? How did he not break? And a lot of others have been used, and somewhere halfway, they basically have been so blessed and millionaires and planes, and they forget all about the Lord. They think more about the blessing than the blesser. They think more about getting than the one who gives much more than the natural. Paul, till the end, kept his faith, and he completed his course as a man that was waiting for the crown. That was because of the brokenness in his life. So you find an amazing way this man who walked away from his house, he thought that he earned it all, and he felt that uh, people owe him something until he realized nothing really. It was in the pig pen that he realized himself. And then he comes to his father. Not only the fact you find the prodigal son that had the ropes of righteousness, the ring of authority, and the shoe of peace, but what is incredible is he's now useful at one time he was wasted. What I like about this is God is doing a marvelous things in the life of his people. If a stallion has to be used, it could be the best horse that you could find. He is just a magnificent horse. He basically is strong. He can run as fast as he can. But he will be useless to mankind. And generally, it's a very tedious to watch process. 
this horse, this stallion, has to be broken. A cowboy jumps on him and begins to do things. There's what you call a grueling contest. But until and unless this stallion is broken, he's useless. But the moment he does, surrenders, and then comes the usefulness of this stallion, whether it be to take the king or to take the commander or lead in the war, all of this is a process for each one of us, might be used, but we must come to a break of broke, a place of brokenness in our lives. But then there are others that you find who would not. But God is gracious when you think about Jonah in chapter 4 and verse 7. He was bothered about a little uh, uh, plan that was on him, and it yet it crushed. He was crushed because of that. And the Lord had to speak to the spouting prophet and to say, you are more concerned about this plan than about Nineveh, a city that does not know his right hand from his left and the cattle and the children. What is incredible is this man learned a very important lesson. Uh, in the life of Daniel, you find when he begins to see what happened, then he begins to cry out in pain as he seeks forgiveness on the, what uh, his generations have done to the Lord in uh, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 3. The same is with Nehemiah when his brethren told him the fate of the people in Jerusalem. He was in a swanky uh, palace uh, of the great uh, king, emperor in uh, Persia. But the very moment it happened, you find there's a breaking that made this man one of the greatest generals or governor that brought about emancipation or building up literally of a broken wall. When you think about it in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 6, you see this man crying, crying out to God. So becomes the story of people, whether it be Isaiah or whether it be Moses or Jacob or whatever, whoever you will think in the Bible, then and today as well, it is a process that continues. I talked about the coalition of the unwilling. And when you think about a man that biblically talks about a man, shoulder and high above others, a magnificent, wonderful personality. In fact, there's so much about him, you would want him elected as the president. And not David, with all what he talked about his sins. And yet God rejected Saul and chose this man, twice as mentioned in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the New Testament much later, long after he's dead and gone, in Acts chapter 13, verse 20. He's a man after my own heart. And when it comes to Saul, a great personality, an all-American kid, you could call. He's everything to everyone, and yet... He had a heart that was hard, not willing to be broken, not willing to be submitted. And the man that prayed for him, such a great prophet as Samuel, had to come with this very difficult word. When you read in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23, called him a rebel. Verse 26 calls him, why have rejected you? I'm going to choose someone else who will be willing to hear from me. I want you to understand the saddest commentary that anyone can hear during a funeral is this person lying in, in, a, uh, in the casket. And for the preacher, the pastor, or someone to say, he had great potential. Great potential simply means never manifested itself. He had great brains, he had great ideas, he had great, great understanding. Zit, 
nothing. What happened? He came naked, he goes naked. He came with all of it, and he goes out carrying everything with him, profitable nobody. There could have been times in his life he was broken. He was not willing to be broken. You see, my friend, potential in a man doesn't mean that he is a blessing to mankind. It always happens in a series of process, a break in coming for us to change, a brokenness not to be destroyed but to be made. And there are people that have been made, whether it be in the recessions of the 1933 or the recessions or the difficulties that we are going through now, and you and I are not dependent on the surroundings and the situations and the happenings, and our happiness is not dependent on the happenings of what is taking place, whether it be in the political or in the religious or whether it be in the economical or political situation. I want you to realize if you were to look for gold, the ground must be dug. If you were to look for diamond, the ground must be dug. It must be broken up for you to get hold of the minerals that makes it necessary, whether it be in terms of communication or in terms of travel. All of these have come about because things have been broken. And you find this man just not willing to be broken, rejected, called by God a rebel, resisted. And that's a sad story of this man. You find Israel the same situation, a people that God loved in the Old Testament. God reaches out, sends prophets after prophets after prophet. They sort of felt that God owed it to them like the New Testament people felt. They thought Abraham did so much that they get a full check. God owes them. Today we feel the same. We are cheapening grace and disgracing grace. We think we can do whatever we want, and, and then Jesus owes us a favor. The Father owes us a favor. My friend, the Lord rejected those people. In fact, he cries out to them through the prophets, turn around, repent, break, have a brokenness. Those who did had a revival. I want you to know you will never meet God in a revival until and unless you meet him in a brokenness. Every brokenness brings about revival. If the state of the world was so terrible, and out of that came people with a burden to pray, cry out to God, seek God's forgiveness. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, and when they did, and when they humbled themselves, hold the revival. They met God in the brokenness of their lives. And then they were revived out of that brokenness. The brokenness simply a surrendered life, a surrendered life where God says, I can use you, the bread that is broken. And then he distributed and the people were blessed. And until unless that is done, you are a man or a woman, great potential, absolutely sit in nothing. So you find in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 14, God says you have a, you should be having broken of the spirit while the, my servant should be blessed, you would not. And the Lord Jesus Christ mentions this to a people that have resisted him, rebelled against him in Luke chapter 19 and verse 44. And he says towards the end that you did not know the time 
of your visitation, the great visitation right there at your doorstep, but you would not open the door. There's something about God we need to understand. He will never violate somebody's will, your volition. And all you decide is yours. God cannot do it for you. Your pastor cannot do it for you. Your parents cannot do it for you. You and I must decide for ourselves. I stand at the door knocking. If whosoever will open the door. Now I want you to realize, my friend, when you turn to Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37 towards the end, it's simply a sad commentary and he, as a hen, Jesus said, would gather and protect the chickens, but you would not. But you would not. Is that a word that is speaking to the Christians in America, across the world? You would not. We're so preoccupied that politics, race, culture, our class, our creed are more important than the person of the Lord. Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons and daughters of God. But you would not. And yet I want you to understand, thank God, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, we're told his mercy endureth. It is God's mercies that we are not consumed. And so it is God's goodness and grace. He so loved the world. I've loved you with an everlasting love. With cords of loving kindness, I've drawn you, pulled you unto myself. It's a loving God. He is gracious. He's kind. Yes, he is holy. He's righteous. When it comes to justice, there's no one like him. And yet there is something about God we need to know. There's a weakness, if there could be a weakness, and a person that comes in brokenness, like a man like Manasseh, an evil man, sacrificed children, followed the ways of the world, and yet he came and humbled himself. God stayed the judgment all during his time. Excuse me, he brought judgment. The people had to pay. It's a collateral damage. But God spared him for the simple reason. God is a God of love and mercy. He spoke his name to Moses and then said, mercy and grace. And through Jesus Christ, law came through Moses, but grace and truth comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you think about it, my friend, here is grace extended to us. That is the greatness of a gracious, loving, merciful Father, extended to everyone. No one is beyond the shade and the pale of God's salvation. Everyone that is hearing this word need to know God loves you, no matter what background, what culture, that if the Lord Jesus Christ was sent not for a religion, he sent for the people of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the whole world. But then am I going to be saved? Yes, if you have a soap in the water in your bathroom, doesn't mean you're clean. You've got to use the soap. It is your choice. I want you to realize when you look at this passage, Paul is writing to the church, and I talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 to 8, about taking 
disciplined about a man that sinned. But when you come to verse 8, he says, sufficient enough because you've done it. And don't shun him, love him, forgive him. And no one is exempt, even though the past has been terrible, yet accept him. Why? Because he sought forgiveness. It is God's mercy and God's grace. Here's a woman, the past is questionable. And when you turn to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 7, she comes out of nowhere. Understand this, she's going to be judged by Pharisees, and there are Pharisees in the Christian church. Do you know her past? Do you know what color her hair is? Who cares? You I want you to realize the Lord reached out to her when others were saying, who is this woman? Why is she doing this? She takes an alabaster box. I want you to understand it could be the most precious thing to the most rich people. And yet she's a woman who spent not a month or year, her entire life year earning and place it at the feet of Jesus. People who look and say, my, my, my. This is a couple of thousands of dollars worth of fragrance. That is sufficient to give her that 15 minutes of fame. She does something extraordinary. She breaks the alabaster box. I want you to realize just placing an expensive gift at the feet of Jesus is sufficient enough. But this woman is like the alabaster box, precious of God. And the Bible says, the apex of all creation, God made man and woman. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white or brown, whether you're rich or you're not rich, or whether you're here or whether you're in the far reaches. For God, everyone is equal. Religion divides. The Lord loves people. Here's a woman that has been destroyed, maybe by her own reason, or someone abused her. No matter what happened, she's a broken woman, but she comes to a broken state. She breaks this alabaster box to say, that's my life. And until and unless the alabaster box is broken, there would not be a fragrance. You could say that's an expensive piece. Only when the alabaster box is broken, can you smell the exquisite aroma of that fragrance? Yes, she's a woman of potential, but now the potential is felt and smelled by people. Brokenness is more than a smell. It's more than a feeling. It is a choice whether I will break my life and come to a brokenness before the Lord pandemic has broken a lot of people and in the process has crushed people. You are broken by Satan to crush you and yet it can either crush you or make you. You and I must make a choice. Broken before the Lord to be made and remade by God for his glory. The prophet Jeremiah was given a lesson literally in learning. Go to the field and go to the house of the porter, Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 to 6, and observe what he does. And he said, this is what the porter is doing. As long as the, the clay was supple, 
flexible, pliable, malleable. We must realize He, God, could use us. But if it was stiff and not flexible and stubborn, we would be cast aside. The finest, the most exquisite of the vessels come when they are supple and flexible and sensitive in the hands of the Holy Spirit. The finest of the finest, that Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, the final workmanship is in this vessel that God has created for His glory and for His honor. When you think about what takes place, what a marvelous way. You see, it's life. The church in Ephesus was a great church. Had great pastors, Paul and Timothy and, uh, and Titus. They were blessed. They had great programs. In fact, when the Lord Jesus Christ was talking about the church in Ephesus, began to say, you stand against and you stood strong in spite of Satan and all the pressures that are there. And yet he says in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5, repent. You need to come to a place of brokenness. Remember from whence thou art fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto you quickly and remove your candlestick out of his place, except you come to a brokenness of repentance. We will never have a revival as long as we are so concerned about politics and finance that though it may be important, our part as believers not to be divided by a color or by a party or by a culture, but to be united in our prayer, seeking God's mercy. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if only we could meet the Lord in our brokenness, we would meet him in a revival. So what is so incredible is this is the mercy of God, Psalm 118, Psalm 106, Psalm 107, Psalm 136. The Lord is full of love and grace, for the Lord is good, his mercy endureth forever. If we could only meet him as we cry out to God as David did. What I find so remarkable is, is when we come to the Lord, the blood will never lose its power. But there's something you and I must do. And 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is just and faithful to forgive us of all our unrighteousness. That is what He does. Are we willing to confess? Are we willing to go to God and just break as the woman did the alabaster box? What is so important, I want us to understand this recognition of what Peter says, don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal that you are about to face. Don't be surprised. It's all to help you build you. And James chapter 1 verse 2, 3, 4 tells us all these things, the trial and the testing of your faith. Work it for your good. Work it patience. Work all these things so we can add to our faith virtue and virtue uh, humility and, and temperance and all the meekness and everything that God wants to do in these difficult days. And it's important for us to realize of all the people in the Bible that you can find, no one I mentioned the last time is more willing to be broken for us. 
Why would the Lord, the God of glory, who is with the Father and created all things, and by him were all things made, without him was nothing made that was made, and the one that is sent by the Father, that he would be able to bring back what was lost through Adamic sin, where sin because of rebellion, here is restoration because of obedience and dying all the way to the cross. What I find about our Lord Jesus Christ, we remember this Matthew, uh, Psalm chapter 69, verse 20 and 21 talks about the reproach that was broke my heart and he had died of a broken heart apart from the broken body. For our sins, for the curse that he took upon himself and became the curse and became sin for us who knew no sin, not an iota. I want you to realize that was what he cried in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46, bringing the messianic psalm of Psalm 22 verse 1, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And because of that, it comes to pray what the messianic prophecy of Isaiah talks about in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5. He was wounded, broken for our transgression. He was bruised, broken for our iniquities. He was broken and chastised for our peace. He was broken and his skin tore and blood gushed out and he was stripped for our healing. We derive the benefit of a broken Jesus to a broken people that he could make us. The one who came from heaven came down to a murky planet in rebellion. And by the time he comes down, he takes this world in rebellion. And to those people who will come in brokenness, he takes them and broken and translated to be that people that God has raised like Jesus as we go to heaven. And it's so wonderful. So this passage, again, look at it. As often as you eat, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, simply says, take it, this is my body which is broken for you. The Lord Jesus Christ broken for each one of us. He didn't need to be. And yet the perfect became what would be man subjected to you and uh, to us. What an amazing principle. Now I want you to understand the blessings we derive out of the breaking of the broken Lord Jesus. And that is why the psalmist could say, Psalm 103, verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. We need to bless Him with all our spiritual heart, understanding, mind, in everything. Why? Verse 2 goes on to say, Because He, uh, verse 3 goes on to say, Because He forgives all our iniquities, He forgives us, and he healeth all our diseases. The next verse goes on to say, who redeems thy life from destruction, who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, and verse 5 simply says, who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed as and like the eagles. Listen, that is an amazing blessing. You know, when we talk about that woman, that is basically reaching out to the Lord with a broken alabaster, 
that we talked about in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 7. It's a paradox. Here's a woman broken like this broken alabaster box, and you would have said, done, finished, finished, finito. But when you turn to verse 13, no, that's not the end of her. Wherever the gospel is preached, this woman is exalted. The Lord placed her in the highest position. There's something very important in the principle. The lower we go is the higher we reach. You would never be high in the spiritual world without hitting the abyss in humility. And there's no way anyone could go high in the Christian principle in God's standard unless they humble themselves. And it's very important. God hates the proud, but he gives the humility. He raises them up. And so this paradox actually begins with the Lord Jesus. I want you to know on one side, though he's Lord, he humbled himself. The words, literally. Let's read Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, verse 7. This is what it says, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man. Verse 8 goes on to say, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now let me tell you where it is a wonderful paradox. A paradox is uh, two statements, appears to be contradictory, and yet it is not. On one side, he humbled himself, but let's read the other side. In verse 9, it goes on to say, Wherefore Yahweh had highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name, Yeshua. Goes on to say in verse 10, that at the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, every knee should bow, everything in heaven and in earth and things under the earth. No name given under heaven. You know what I find is, as I read the book of Revelation, it begins in a climatic way, but actually in a subliminal way, and then reaches a climax. When you come to chapter 4, God is sitting on the throne, and he's being worshipped, highly worshipped by the four beasts and by the divine angels and celestial beings and redeemed saints and so forth and that you and I cannot imagine. Maybe in aliens uh, that we could not think about. All of God's creation, earth is not the only thing that is in heaven out there. And yet in all the cosmic constellation, God is worshipped. Representative from whatever nation. And when you come to chapter 5, it is worthy is the land. That is the land that was slain from the foundation. Yahweh exalts. And I want us to realize that is the name that people choose to blaspheme. Whether it be films or in the mass media, they love to do that. While they say, oh, you can't say anti this or anti that to this or that people. But people are free to be anti-Christ and blaspheme his name. You shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. 
So this is a name that is highly exalted. When you think about the paradox, humbled himself, became as a man, obedient unto death, Father Yahweh has exalted him. That is the powerful truth. You know, when you think about the statements of Jesus, our Lord, listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, 25, 26. But let's just go to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Just one statement here. It says, every man will come after me. Let him deny him and take up his cross. Take up the cross. That is powerful. There was a man who literally took the cross. I mean, talking about the literal cross. When you read the book of Mark, chapter 15, and verse 13, you hear about this man, his name. And in Mark chapter, I believe it's 15 and verse 21, you find this statement, and this man, the Bible says, they compelled Simon a Cyrenian. Uh, Syrian is in Libya from Africa, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus to bear his cross. Mark mentions Simon by name. Obviously, he's a notable person in the early church. Not only that, he mentions two of his sons, Alexander and Rufus. Notable people that people should know. You don't talk about names unless people know them. Other statement says a woman, a man. But here we are told three names that must be cherished, loved, esteemed by the early church. Simeon, a Cyrenian. And his sons, Alexander Rufus. Most likely, he must have been a convert from Africa coming down to Jerusalem for his religious duties. He's minding his merry way, not causing any harm, not causing any trouble. And as he was causing, he must have seen the gruesome scene of a person taking up a heavy cross, and they are literally whipping him. People are throwing things at him. People are yelling profanity against him. And he said, my, 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 what did he do? Oh, what a terrible situation. It's a faraway scene that we have no attachment to. And you may be there. The Lord may be a faraway scene. You will miss the opportunity of life and the meaning of life because he is the giver of life. And yet suddenly, the Roman soldier said, you! And Luke and said, who? You! Me? Hey, I'm a dutiful citizen of Rome. I did no trouble. I keep the speed. I make sure I don't steal. I make sure I pay tax and more. What to do? You! Come! And Roman soldiers, like many in the U.S. officers, pull people. But that is worse there. Get hold of this cross. Not that the Roman soldiers had compassion of Jesus. They wanted to prolong his suffering. What if he dies halfway through? He must live to suffer on the cross. So Simeon says, what have I gotten into? Start. 
And he took that punch and all the filth wood. And he could smell blood. He could smell pungent smell of sweat. Is he carrying a cross with blood of the many people that have been crucified? And as he was taking it, he looked at the eyes of someone that he was so amazed. I spoke of his love. I spoke of the pain and yet full of grace and mercy. He was transfixed. He was not an outsider looking from out inside. He was now an insider carrying the cross, literal cross, all the way to Golgotha, an experience that changed his life in so many ways and in so many other ways. People along the ways and journeys and pilgrimage of life have met the Lord. Paul, on the road to Damascus, Matthew, counting his money when the Lord said, follow me. Everyone had a dramatic experience. They've seen Jesus from outside, but now they know him as Lord and Savior. I want you to realize something happened to this man, and tradition says Simeon was the one who took the gospel to Libya. What a great man. But that is not all. His children are prominent just like him. In fact, Matthew says, Simeon and father of Rufus and Alexander, mentioning names because they're prominent names in the early church. So much so, something happened to Simeon. The two boys that were there were, saw the gruesome scene of their father carrying a wonderful cross with blood and his wife had many brokenness oh god oh the romans now are going to do crazy things now will he be up on the cross as well no jesus went to the cross for him but their lives were changed years later the great apostle paul writing to the church in rome mentioned something very important Romans chapter 16 and verse 13. He says, Salute Rufus, chosen of the Lord. Chosen just like Paul. Chosen of the Lord, in the Lord, and his mother, Mrs. Simeon, and my mother, that is, she is my spiritual mother. Oh, the grace of carrying the cross. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and then to the others. I want you to realize, my friend, what it simply means is take up the cross is what was enacted in the life of Paul. Paul succinctly writes about it in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I live and yet not I, I died and Christ lives with me. I died, broken, and then got resurrected in Christ. He made me that I am. It's his life flowing in me. It's his strength. In my weakness, he became my strength. In my foolishness, he became wisdom. 
I want you to understand in my poverty, he becomes my prosperity. This is all things considered. It is not about blessing. It is the blesser, Jesus Christ, our Lord. For it so pleased Yahweh that he has given us not angel Michael or Gabriel. He emptied heavens in giving us the Lord Jesus. Don't refuse it. There is a tremendous passage I find that we miss the meaning of it in, in Psalm chapter 23 and verse 4. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff for a shepherd, we know it is to basically chase away the wolves. But in a personal way, for those who understand being wounded, being broken, it could be a partner. It could be someone in your family left you. You are crushed, you're broken. It could be someone stole your finance. It could be someone who crushed you, who took your conference and spread rumors. You are utterly broken. I want you to realize the Lord uses the things that the devil throws, and I talked about the difference between F-A-T-E and F-A-I-T-H. We refuse the things that the devil, the world, religion, and ourselves should throw upon us. We don't carry an unnecessary cross, but we should carry the cross that Jesus gives, that Yahweh gives to us. Here is, in Psalm 23, the portrayal of a lamb that is straying. And if the lamb keeps straying away from the shepherd, it will be eaten quick food for the wolves. And it's constantly happening, and thank God for a father portrayed in Jesus, the fullness of the God in him, full of compassion and mercy, and he takes the lamb just one inch from being devoured by the serpent and by the wolves. And the Lord had to bring him, and does something strange. Breaks him. Breaks his feet. A broken foot. Ah! Not because he hates him, correction, because he loves him. He doesn't want him to be statistics. And then he mends him, bandages up the wound. He binds the brokenhearted, Psalm 147 tells us, and verse 3. But there's something that happens. The lamb begins to slowly begin to move and gets the use of his legs but he's ever so close to the shepherd. He will never be eaten by the wolves. He will never be devoured by the serpent because he's learned that he is dependent on the shepherd. Hallelujah. Have you been broken? It has caused you to fall flat before the Father. It has caused you to go and behold you to fall at the mercies of God. You know God's grace more than the richest billionaires. You know God's mercy, and you know God through Jesus, the broken Savior that the Father had sent. I want you to understand this, my friend. There is a passage. It's amazing. It says a man leaning, blessed, his grandchildren, leaning on his staff. That is a tremendous blessing from a man 
for all his life was not a blessing. But you know what? Something happened to his life. And he became blessed not to keep the blessing, but now blessed to be a blessing. Let's read that passage. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 21. It talks about by faith Jacob when he was dying. Blessed both the sons of Joseph and worship leaning on the top of his staff. Just about to die. Get me up, kids. And somebody went to help him. Joseph said, don't. My father has learned to lean on his staff. He took his staff, leaned upon it, and he blessed. The blessings of Abraham passed to Joseph's children. But why lean on a staff? That's a story. It's powerful. When you read Genesis chapter 32 and verse 25, there's an angel wrestling with Jacob. Big wrestling. And the, and the angel said, let me go for it's the crack of the day. And Jacob said, I won't let you go till you bless me. And then comes the critical stage. What is your name? 20 years he pretended to be Esau. Doesn't want to own up. I'm a cheat. I'm a supplanter. I'm a con artist. I am. Camouflage himself to be apostle, prophet, pastor, big man, big name. It's written in the Marquis. And the Lord's saying, who are you? Forget all this camouflage. Who are you in real? And he said, I'm Jacob. I'm desperate. My life has been empty. And here is he. So my own brother coming to kill me. Hey, because I cheated him. Like I cheated my father-in-law. I've been a cheater all my life. My name is Jacob. As soon as he said that in verse 28, the Lord says, you shall be called. I said, how in the world did this man become prince with God? Broken. Blessed to be a blessing. And now he's leaning on that staff, reminding every day of his life, I'm leaning to the Lord. The halo of his thigh was touched. And every one of us who has to be blessed has to be touched in some halo of our lives. Whether it's finance, our pride, our name, our home, whatever it is, our prestige, God has to touch before we humble ourselves. What is the number one passion of your life? If it's not the Lord, say, Lord, break me. The greatest revival that the world has seen was during Evan Roberts' time. And the prayer and the songs were simply, break me, break me. And God so pleased to answer the prayer of this broken man, send the mighty revival called the Welsh Revival that touched all the way to the parts of the world. Of all places, there's a place that is uninhabited those days. They were called the wild, Naga, snake worshippers. In fact, 90% of that place is uh, Baptist. Comes about missionaries from the Welsh Revival, goes into unhabited place and preaches the gospel to Nagaland. I want you to realize, my friend, a revival is needed if we could break and cry out like this great Welsh, great preacher and the most humble 
broken down man. He had a literal mental breakdown. Always crying out to God. God molded him, made him. But I wanted to realize the after effects was powerful. And here is Jacob blessing his grandchildren, leaning on the staff, a broken man, and yet totally effused with the blessings of God, flowing out. Jesus is telling us to take up our cross and walk. And I want you to realize it is hard for us to even fathom what it is. Willingly be broken at the, at, the, at the rock. There's a story of a woman that walking with the Lord, the Lord said, she had said, Lord, I want to be blessed, 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 morning, evening, noon, and in between, bless, 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 bless. And the Lord said, I'm going to bless you. Took a haversack and gave it to her and said, go, carry this. Lord, I want to be blessed, not burdened. He said, this is my burden. And so she took it, and now a prayer is, Lord, I fight, I'm faithful, I pray, I walk with you. Why this burden? Every day she would say, like morning, like I was, Lord, bless me, bless me. Now she says, Lord, have pity on me, I'm burdened. I'm carrying this burden, Lord, from blessing to Lord, Why? Until one day in the walk, the Lord said, Rose, come open up this baggage. And she said, really? He said, open it up. She took that time to open. And she saw blessings of heaven, the wonders of eternity. And she said, my God, now not why this burden? Why this blessing? I'm just a poor woman. The glories of heaven and eternity are far beyond her expectation. God reaches out and blesses her, and she's carrying this Lord. Let's go back to Psalm 68 and verse 19. He lordeth us. He burdens us daily with benefits. Even Yahweh, the God of our salvation, and it is Yeshua, the God who saves us. Give him glory. Give him praise. Give him thanks. While the choir is coming back, in just a moment, worship the Lord. And those that are watching as well, if God is speaking to you, and maybe you've been like this woman troubled and saying, why me, Lord? Why me, Lord? A day will come in heaven, you'll be saying, why, oh why? Why am I blessed? I was nobody. I'm not notable. I'm not famous. I did nothing great. I don't have the intellect. Why, Lord, am I blessed with eternity and all the greatness and the pressures of heaven? You were faithful to God in the cross that he gave you. Not Satan, not the world. Not religion, not that plastic gold diamond cross, but literally a burden to pray for your children, to pray for your city, a burden to reach out and give tracts like Evangelist Murray Santiago.
to reach out and bless someone else and to stand faithful wherever you are in this church, whether it be things that will be seen or simply not seen, the people behind the cameras, people behind the sound booth, the people who are faithful volunteers day in and day out with not a word of thanks from anybody, but they're doing it like a burden God has given. I know people who could just leave and be blessed in a wonderful way financially, but they have chosen the burden to be a blessing, leaning upon the staff, paying a price for it, and let this church and the people of God be blessed. Are you one of those? And if God is speaking to you, you're saying, Lord, I just don't want to wait till heaven to say thank you. And I won't be saying, why, 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 Lord, would you do? And the angels would say, because of Jesus, the broken, and you have been blessed. Let it flow. And if that's the person, let me have a word of prayer for you as you stand. And those that are watching, first I want you to know you need to repent. You need to come and recognize for God so loved the world that he gave. It is for you to accept, whether it's salvation or deliverance or whether it's healing. God loves you so much. And through this burden that you have gone through, a crisis that you have gone through in the last couple of two years with this pandemic we've gone through, it's a broken experience. Oh, tell me about it. I can tell you the stories of many people who have lost one or the other. And yet in this, either it can break us totally, or in this breaking, you could be made and remade into and fashioned after the likeness of Yeshua Amasia, the one who loves you and who gave his life. Just where you are, say, Lord, I ask your forgiveness. I humble myself. Lord, I want to carry the cross that you give me and walk with you like the way Simeon walked with you, that I would pass this blessing to my Rufus and to my Alexander. In Jesus' name, the Lord bless you. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the word of the Lord. To learn more, please visit our website, highlandny.org, or our Facebook page, Highland Church, New York. Until next time, may God richly bless you.